Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast. My name is Kelly Raymer, and I am the producer and host of this podcast. I'm also a mindset coach, Akashic Tarot reader, co-creator of the Every Thought Matters collective that is coming soon, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Search Every Thought Matters with your favorite browser, and you'll find my site, information, and how to reach me. Add for the podcast, each episode's a conversation exploring origin stories, life, the universe, and various other topics. Enjoy this episode, and remember, every thought matters. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Janine Mascarella. Janine has had a wonderful writing career that all started with a note in the sixth grade. She has used three things to keep her dreams alive every step of the way. Positivity, gratitude, and the ability to wordsmith her thoughts to create the right vibration to keep succeeding. You will know who she is by the end of this podcast, and you will be grateful that you listen to it. Listen to it, be inspired, and maybe take away a few things that will help you along your journey. As always, I love you, and remember, every thought matters. All right, welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast. I have the lovely Janine Mascarella here on my podcast. This has been an episode that has taken me probably about two years to get done but it's finally here today and i am so excited welcome janine thank you so much uh i I appreciate you having me on today thank you you and i (laughs) the first time we've actually met like in person on screen but we've known each other going back to i was guessing around 2010 or 2011 on twitter you were uh mrs Wright or something like that on twitter And, you know, obviously followed you and you were so kind and sweet then. And we just stuck around and we stuck by each other and watched each other's journey change. It's been quite a while and it's finally now I get to hear your story. And it's an amazing one from just a little bit of tidbits that I found out. <laughs> it's kind of crazy that it's been so many years that have gone by. But yeah, so there are definitely a handful of people that I've been friends with for so long on social media that I have not met in real life. And um, you have always been so supportive and we've always had like a fun kind of back and forth over a span of years, many, many years. So um, it's so good. I'm I'm so grateful that we we still maintain our friendship and, um, and I'm very grateful for all the loving and supportive and kind words you've said to me over the years. And we've definitely exchanged so many wonderful messages back and forth. Yeah, across a couple different platforms even. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the power of social media and being somebody who's kind of a face of social media. You're an editor in chief now of beautify.tips. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And you've done so much. What prompted you to be a writer let's start there wow so actually you know I've always had that kind of creative I was never the I was always just like a dreamer just you know from when I was a little girl and I remember in sixth grade although I liked writing and I enjoyed it I never really thought of myself or thought I could possibly be a writer. But in sixth grade, my sixth grade English teacher, you know how like back in the day in grammar school, you would have these little autograph books and you know, at the last day of school, all the teachers and your friends would sign. 
And she signed in my autograph book, one day we're all going to hear of a famous writer, you. And I remember reading that and of all the messages and all the autographs, you know, from friends and family, that one, I remember I just kept reading it over and over and over and over all summer long. And then throughout the years, I still have it actually, that autograph book. And it was my sixth grade English teacher who I never thought of myself as a writer. And I'm I'm telling you, you never know like how you will impact someone because she almost planted that seed in me. And I'm like, wow, like, could I be a writer? And am I really going to be a famous writer? I don't know about exactly the fame that I've, that I've accrued, but I definitely have become a professional writer. And that was the very first time it was in my head to even do so. So uh, who who knew like a teacher would would spark that that's a, an incredible memory and it reminds me of somebody that told me when i was in la that we are all famous to somebody so and oh, I love that. anybody who's a parent you are famous to your kids well there's that little period of time where you're not and i'm not a parent i don't have any two-legged kids mm-hmm. but <laughs> i'm famous to my niece my niece will just text me out of nowhere and say, I love you and I'm proud of you. And she's 23, whatever. She's got her own life going, but I'm kind of famous to her. Wow. It's funny that you say that because people always ask me about the tattoo that I have um, in handwriting mm -hmm. on my forearm. And um, so the tattoo says, um, it actually is a quote that my daughter had said to me when she was five years old. And it was out of nowhere. We're not particularly religious. And she was just coloring, crying at, um, coloring with crayons at the kitchen table. And she looks up one day out of nowhere and says, mom, she's like, I was waiting to be born because I always wanted to meet you. And I was like, oh my God, like Ooh. what a poignant, like crazy thing to say for a five-year-old. So over the years, we've always talked about it. And I remember, I think I even put it on Facebook. I can't believe my daughter just said that. And I called my mom and like, you know, I was like, so around the time when she was about to turn 17 years old, I said, we were talking about that. And I said, do you remember saying that? And she's like, not only do I remember saying that, she goes, I still feel that way. I was waiting to be born because I always wanted to meet you. And so the night of her 17th birthday, she wrote it on a little piece of paper and put it on my pillow. And I took that handwriting, her 17 year old handwriting, and I took it to the tattoo artist and I had it tattooed on my arm as the ultimate compliment I've ever received. Well, as somebody whose mom is still living, she's 89 and you never, she never stopped being, being my mom. Mm-hmm. So you've got that moment and you will never not be her mother. Right. And that's so beautiful. And that's the beautiful, like harmonious exchange between a mother and a child. And I just think what it, took my breath away when you said that out loud because I'm, I don't know, I'm deeply spiritual. So I do believe that my soul chose this human for this adventure. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel that way about my soul saying that to me, they were waiting for me to be born. Oh, I love that. I just, cause I'm, I'm delving into that now and you've seen my journey. I've been in Hollywood. I've done the Hollywood yes. stuff and, and the red carpets and, fancy clothes and all that stuff. And now it's all about that kind of moment. And how does that help you every day in terms of your job, if you will? 
So I just think in terms of my job, like everything is all about like perspective and being grateful. And I feel like where I am, I've worked hard for where I am. And I also feel, you know, I, I turned 51 a, a few days ago and I always feel like it's never too late to be what you might have been. So I keep striving. I have a huge project that I'm working on something kind of, which would be life-changing that I'm working on. I'm not going to divulge any any of um, of what I'm working on yet until I'm ready to share some good news. But I, I was actually sharing it with a, with a friend of mine and she said, and I've been kind of speaking about it just to like a closed circle of people. And she's, and I kind of believe in like speaking things into existence and um you know, she basically sent me a text and she said, this is yours. You've manifested this already. So it's kind of like, um, like I always kind of used to joke. I said, I used to always say, I want to be a submarine salesman because you only have to sell one. So I'm about to sell a submarine. And she's like, this is yours. You've sold the submarine. It, it's yours already. And it would be a, a huge life-changing thing if I get the yes. And, um, but I feel like, Again, it, it's never too late to be what you might have been. I'm always like striving and reaching and and trying to really make a mark on this world. And um, I kind of feel like, again, circling it back to like what my daughter had said, she always looked at me with such awe and almost like, and that's kind of how I feel about life. Like I feel like all the dreams that I have, it's almost like um, you always, I feel like you get, more of whatever you're fascinated with. And I'm fascinated with positivity and striving. And so I feel like the universe is giving me that. I do. And it's the law of attraction and all of that. But I also, I have been delving into something called quantum jumping, which is, wow. yeah. And trying to understand that. But basically the, the premise is, is the law of attraction basically says, feel that emotion and feel like walk, that doorway that's behind me walk through that doorway as if i've already manifested mm -hmm. my dream vocation if you will or whatever then walk around the, that rest of that day like you just sold that submarine because yeah. that's what you've done you've once you believe that it's already done everything else becomes easy because then you right. just follow the little breadcrumbs that spirit god your creator whatever you want to call it leaves mm -hmm. you to guide you towards what's already done yeah. And what's crazy is, you know, what I'm striving for is like a thing. It's a physical thing. And I can see it. I can like hold it in my hand. It's so real in my head. It's so real. So that's why I guess my girlfriend had texted me out of nowhere. And she's like, what you're striving for? She's like, it's done. She's like, it's yours. Like you already manifested this. Like you, the universe is giving this to you. So, um, so I'm excited. And there's always that chance that it could be a no, but I would rather live in like the excitement of just um, believing and I'm a believer. So a little bit of monkeys in their daydream believer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that came out of nowhere. No, nope, uh, but it's great, though. But we all want what we want because our future self already has it. Mm -hmm. So your future self already has it. Has that has sold that submarine. I love that. <laughs> now I just have to, now I just have to figure out how I'm going to drive it. I'm like, okay, now I sold the submarine. And now I got to drive the damn thing. So, but I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. And that's uh, an interesting a side story for me, but I'm trying to ma manifest a car and I've pretty much done it. And I just mm -hmm. like, I thought about 
okay, well, I can pay for the car, but how am I going to pay for insurance? And Spirit just said to me, don't worry about it. Well, I've been working a lot of doubles lately. And gee, that's the money for insurance. It's already It was already taken care of. Right. So by sitting back and not trying to control the outcome, the outcome becomes easy. Because yeah. however you're going to drive that submarine, you're going to drive it, whatever, big deal. Yeah, and then I think if you make like little mini um mini milestones or like triumphs, like not to like worry about the big thing of driving it and operating it and and just that that initial so I always used to joke, sometimes people would say to me, like, oh, about exercise. Like, you know, how do you find the motivation to exercise sometimes? I'm like, some days I don't need the motivation to exercise. I only need the motivation to put my sneakers on. And once I have my sneakers on, I'm out the door. So all I have to convince myself is, okay, go find your sneakers and go put them on. And sometimes that's the hardest part. I'm like, oh my God. But once they're on, I then you kind of go through the motion check. All right, got my sneakers on, you know, I'm ready. So I only need the motivation to put my sneakers on. I don't need the motivation to, to run three miles because that just seems too overwhelming. Yeah, I like that too. It reminded me what a, one of my therapists, of many and i've always remembered that she said just like if you're going to clean the house you've got it you're thinking about cleaning everything the sinks the toilet the shower floors dishes that's overwhelming instead right. she said do five easy things really easy things wipe off the counter you know wipe down the faucet and pretty soon before you know it your house is clean yeah you just start right. with the easy thing of putting those shoes on the three miles become secondary. Exactly. So I love and that. That's a, it, that's a very good metaphor for life. So, you know, I'm so if you're going to dream big, at least like dream big in like the obtainable, like, you know, the the biggest, I feel like the hardest thing about it is, um, is actually like finding the motivation and the, and actually not the motivation, finding the courage to believe in yourself enough that you can do it and you deserve it and you're worthy of it. So once I got over myself and said, yes, I'm worthy of this, then I feel like everything else is just going to fall into place. How do you find worthiness though? Cause I think that's what a lot of people lack more than anything else is feeling worthy of success, whatever success looks like to them. How do you, yeah. What do you use as a motivating factor to go find, I'm Janine and I am worthy of selling this one damn submarine? <laughs> so I think it's like, it's shifting the questions. It's two questions that I shift. The first question is, I don't, um, I don't have to do any of these things. I get to. So I don't have to go to work. I don't have to live the life I live. I get to, it's like a gift. So I feel like number the first aspect of that is that I'm I'm living a gift and this is all a gift. And the second part of it is it's sometimes when you have that I know a lot of people in in many levels of of success feel that imposter syndrome like you know who am I to pitch this big idea to this big company. And then I I shift the question and say who am I not to? Who like how dare I not like share like what I feel like whatever talent that I've been given and whatever idea that come kind of comes from like a, a greater source. So how like who am I not to share it with the world? And so I think when you when you shift the questions a little bit, 
and say, instead of saying, who am I to do such a thing? Who am I not to? And that's, that's usually what I do. I, my brain was telling me that that comes from the writer in you being able to shift words on a page on a screen to get a meaning that might be different. So you kind of do some wordsmithing in your mind. Is that correct? Yes. Um, that's 100% correct. Yes. You, uh, I feel like you completely understand where I'm going with this and like mm -hmm. the, the, the level of, um, of what you need to do to kind of shift those words around in your brain and actually like believe it and, and kind of like moving with purpose. Yeah, but the wordsmith in you helps you create that. And basically by changing the words and wordsmithing, you're cre creating a different vibration within yourself, which actually allows you to attract what you really want. Right, yes. And a lot of times it is like just like a, a change of words or a play on words. I know like, again, I'm not extremely spiritual or religious, but you know, I, I know a lot of people used to misunderstand. So they would always say like, oh, they say in the Bible that, you know, that money is the root of all evil. That's actually not what they say. They say the love of money is the root of all evil, which is completely different. Like it's okay to 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 want nice things and and to strive for good things. It's like you know when you funnel all your self worth into those nice things, that's where the problem is. So so money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is. So sometimes uh, leaving out a word or or changing up a word can really like really cause a huge shift in your perspective. Wow. And did you went to, a, I did the only other thing I dug up was you went to Montclair State. Did you get an actual journalism degree or were you like me where you kind of got a degree in the, you know, in life? I got one <laughs> of those too. Yeah. So um, I did not get a journalism degree. Not only did I not get a journalism degree, I never took a journalism class in my entire life. Not one. I did not. That's amazing. What a factoid that I did not get. Wow. Yeah. So I can kind of just give you the abridged version of that is that I, um, I never took a journalism class in my life, although I always said I wanted to be a writer and uh, people always said you should be a writer. It wasn't until I was 30 and, you know, I, I had a son and he was sleeping in his little high chair. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I think I want to be a writer. And he kind of like looked at me and was just like, oh, that's adorable. Like, like it's like saying you want to be an astronaut. He's like, yeah, okay, you know, you you be a writer. And I don't think it was like in a condescending way. It just seemed like a big thing. Like, I want to be an actress. I want to be a writer. I want to be a, an astronaut. Like, it, it seemed so much bigger than or a lot more time consuming, considering I never took a journalism class in my life. And um, so I went to Barnes and Noble. I bought a book um, writing for magazines for dummies. It was like $7.99. I read through the book and I was like, uh-uh, like, you know, all the steps that it, it told you to take, you know, this was, this is 19 years ago, mind you. So that's when blogs were very big. And that's when actual magazines were really huge. Like they were like, you know, everywhere you went, people would have a magazine in their hand, not their cell phones. So I, um, so in a lot of the tips that they gave you, it said, maybe start, start with a blog and start off slow and be in, become an intern on a magazine. And so it was like all these steps and tricks and tips on how to break into the magazine industry. And I was like, 
not doing them. So I literally broke every rule. And I, and so I took the biggest magazine in the country, women's magazine in the country at the time, which was self magazine. And I was like, I want to write for them. So I, I read like three issues cover to cover. And I decided, um, now I knew nothing about the publishing industry. I didn't have a clip. I didn't have a clue. I had no connections. Um, and, but I also, the thing about beginner's luck is like, you don't know what the rules are. You don't know what to be afraid of. I also did right. not know the hierarchy of a magazine. I did not know that the editor in chief, you don't pitch like the editor in chief receives no pitches. Like who would pitch the editor in chief? You know, there's 19 other assistant editors and, and executive editors. And, but I decided I wanted to pitch the editor in chief, um, just a, a quick, few paragraphs on, on something that I wanted to write for self magazine. And so back in the day, editor email addresses were not easily found. So I decided to figure out the email address of the editor in chief by taking different iterations of her last name and first name, like first name dot last name at condenas.com. That was wrong. First name dot first name, underscore, last name. And then finally I hit on an email address that was not returned as you know unsendable. And I sent this two paragraph pitch. It was literally the most casual conversation. Her name is Lucy. And I was like, hey, Lucy, um, like, like we've known each other for years. And she's you know the editor in chief of the biggest magazine in the country. And I said, you know, I have an idea, I want to pitch. And I made it very funny. And um, she got back to me and it was like, so shocking. And my son was sleeping in his little high chair and she wrote, she wrote back just as casual and conversational. She wrote, Hey, Janine. She said, um, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. She said, we're sending CC is a, the director, the health director of the magazine. We're sending you a contract. And I was like, what? What? Yes. They sent me a contract. Self magazine sent you a contract. Yes. Yes. Uh, from one wow. email one email it wasn't even the entire essay yeah it was really really insane so um so i wrote the essay now at the time i had no idea even how to submit like i didn't know anyone in publishing they now they all thought because of my casual cool kind of like confident demeanor that i was like a seasoned journalist they had no idea i never took a journalism class in my life i had no i have, I have no bylines i've never written for a magazine they had no clue so the essay came out and again i feel like i used my humor as like you know the entry point into the industry and into the job that i wanted so it was actually such a funny essay that all of a sudden my inbox started blowing up. It would be like, I would open my email and it would say like, hi, Janine, um, I'm in Central Park on my lunch break. I work for Glamour Magazine and I'm hysterically laughing. Would you like to write for us? And from Women's Day, Family Circle, every major magazine landed out emailing me, asking me to write for them because they read my essay in Self Magazine that was so funny. And, um, so yeah. And then I, I wrote for self for a bunch of years and that that's how I got all my magazine credits. And I started writing about beauty and lifestyle. I wrote for CNN, the Washington post, all like just from that one casual, cool, confident, like just swing for the fences type of email. And, um, it wasn't until years later that I was, I was chatting with some of the editors at self magazine and they were like, we had no idea you weren't a seasoned journalist. We thought like you were like at the top of your career. I like, no, I never wrote for a magazine before in my life. 
Wow. But yeah. that all goes back to your belief. It's the same thing with this submarine, right? It's the same. It's a submarine story all the all over yeah. again. And you believed it. You just like, <laughs> I have nothing to lose. So, and you weren't trying. You were just, you weren't like, I am so-and-so and this is my cover letter. You know, you were like, this is yep. what it is. It's funny. I think yes. I'm funny. That exactly. is wild. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. So that's really how I, I I made it in the in the magazine industry. And then it was, you know, I really started off writing essays and funny essays. And then it was like, I wrote essays about beauty. I wrote, I wrote essays about health. I wrote essays about fitness. And then I started writing about beauty. And that's kind of how I became the beauty director of Bella magazine. And um, then it was like mostly beauty. And now I, I work for Kiss Products and I, it's a huge global beauty brand. And I'm the editor in chief of, so when I came here, what's crazy is, is I came here, I wanted like some kind of major shakeup in my life. So I decided to leave the publishing industry. I'm like, I just need, I, I need to like feel alive. I need to like shake up my life. So I came to Kiss Products, which is a global beauty brand. It's very different than the publishing industry. And I started off like just a copywriter. Like, you know, some people were like, oh my gosh, you're going to Kiss. Are you like some top executive? I was like, no, I got a job as like a copywriter. And wow. And I'm going to work my way up. So I was here for like two months. And actually on my 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 actual job interview, uh, you know, it's the head of HR. And, you know, they have like, you know, we sell these products in 100 countries. And the first question he, he said to me was, he goes, you know, do you have any questions, you know, about KISS, about the company? And my first question was, how do I move up? Like, because I knew I was, I was, I was applying for the role as a copywriter. And I, and he, he was like taken back. He's like, I guess normally people people ask about you know salary or they ask about the the work culture and i said how do i get promoted and he was like so he actually said to me he goes well we're still a growing company he goes why don't you tell us how you would like to be promoted and so i was here for a couple months and i this was my first mini submarine and i decided i wanted to bring it back to my wheelhouse and um, pitch an editorial site that would you know empower and inspire beauty lovers you know, bring it back to what I knew and what I loved. And uh, yeah, I put together this presentation, a PowerPoint, which was like 25 pages long. And, you know, I, I pitched it and I wasn't sure if they were going to fire me, if they were going to be, because I was telling them, you know, all the things that they could be doing better and they could you know, be helping consumers. And, um, you know, that you need this editorial site to, to bring Kiss up to a, like a different. And so I, you know, I kind of thought like, they're either going to laugh in my face or they're going to say like, yeah, go for it. Well, they said, yeah, go for it. They made me the editor in chief. I got promoted. <laughs> I got right. my promotion. And, um, and, um, and then now they're, uh, you know, they, they hired a team for me and now I have like seven people on my team and, uh, it's like my wildest dreams of coming true. And here I am. <laughs> You're a walking law of, cre- law of attraction creator, really. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you do live the mantra. But, you, but you've always, to me, just even from our lighthearted conversations on Twitter, you've always had that, whatever. It's, you know, so what? You know, <laughs> let's try this. Mm-hmm. It's a submarine. What you know? What what can go wrong? You know? Nope. I don't care. I'm now. I'm an editor in chief. Yes. Wow. 
Yeah. So, um, so, and I'm, like I said earlier, and now I'm gearing up to, uh, to shake things up again, um, and start something amazing and new and something my own. And, uh, so we'll, we shall yeah. see. I'm doing the same thing. We're right in the middle of it. My co-creator, uh, we're creating something brand new that to be honest with you, I know it's already done. I don't, the mechanics of it and getting it there. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I just know. I just, yeah. I, I've already seen myself in that role already. And I've got somebody on my team that believes in me. It's the first time in my life, outside of my parents, both of my parents believe in me. They've always have. I was so lucky. Even same, though they were divorced, same. they so both believe in me. They've never said, don't do that. They've never mm -hmm. said not, never, not once. I, could, I do not have one memory of my parents who hated each other, but yet loved me and loved everything I've done. Never said, don't do that. So give it a try. I see what love that. That's so important. It's extremely important. And I think it's wonderful that I'm was blessed by that because so many people have like, don't dream. Cause I wrote down, if you don't, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Mm -hmm. And you and something... always remind me of that. <laughs> yeah. And there's also something that I read once that always struck a chord is um, it's how you talk to your kids becomes their inner voice. So Ooh. if your parents kind of always instilled that you can do it, which my parents did as well, that's your inner voice. So yeah, that's why I'm, I'm very careful on how I speak to my children because that's you're shaping their inner voice. So, um, so yeah, so and but you said you having other people believe in you who besides your parents that's like an amazing thing it's a wild it's feels like first time i've had somebody believe in me without wanting anything from me because you you're a success and you have seen and met a lot of very successful people throughout your right. career and you know that vibration when somebody meets you and they want something but this person named Jen believes in me and doesn't want anything other than for the both of us to succeed. And that's one of the yeah. most beautiful vibrational feelings I've ever had in my life. I almost feel like that way with you, with me. You, you know, you've sent me so many messages over the years, you know, when sometimes whether I'm posting about something as simple as an article that I've just published or something big, like big news, you've always said i'm proud of you and i always remember that you've you've typed out the words to me who is basically a little bit of a stranger even though we've you yeah know, we've, sure to to say those words to someone i'm proud of you also is like it's such an amazing generous thing and i've always hung on to those words yeah because i've the vibrational feeling we get from that and especially you as a parent when you tell your kids you're proud of them that changes their vibrational in their inner voice energy. Mm -hmm. No matter what they do, if they go and they do a high jump and they don't make the bar, you're still telling them you're proud of them. It's great because they yeah. know you tried because, you know, if you don't try, you fail. And right. you're, you're the epitome of that, of trying. I mean, sending a blind email to the editor in chief of self magazine, it just reminds me of this wonderful story about dating in that this guy, I read this article 
way back in a long time ago, 25, 30 years ago. And he said, I just got tired of, you know, getting rejected. So he figured, I'm going to do some math. I'm going to go out and ask 10 women for dates and go out on campus. He was in college. So he walked around the grounds, asked women out. He was surprised. He had like five out of 10 say yes. It's like he didn't expect anything. You did the same thing. You went to Self Magazine back in the day, probably still is, one of the premier women's magazines in the entire world. I, You couldn't go to a, you know, a convenience store or any magazine rack, Barnes & Noble, and not see that because they had great placement right on the front of the rack. They paid for that yeah. placement, all of that stuff. And you blindly did that. Tried five different emails just to get a <laughs> snarky little two-paragraph thing. Mm -hmm. But that's all it takes is having that confidence. Right. And also, I kind of, I zoomed in on what, so I always say, like, in life, whether it's life or um, writing for a magazine, you know, you find the hole and you fill it. So I found, like, a little bit of a hole in their coverage. And I was like, ah, they, they need they need this. And so I I feel like at the time, which I didn't know at the time, which I, I learned afterwards. So Self Magazine, being part of the Condé Nast publishing yeah. powerhouse. Condé Nast, um, yep. Yeah. So they had, um, they had a full staff. So it turns out they only accepted less than 5% of freelance pitches that they received. And, um, of those 5%, most of them were like, actually like friends of the editors, you know, who they went to Hamptons with and connections and people they met at parties. And so they had such a small percentage that they were allowed with budget to, because they had such a huge full-time staff of writers and editors and all kinds of things. Um, and I since learned that at the time that I pitched them, there was a, there was a few journalism schools. I think one might've been Medill and a few other ones that it would, they, they had a list of magazines in like their master's journalism program and uh, in one of the courses. And if you, if you got accepted a freelance pitch and you got published by one of these magazines, you got an instant A for the class because it was like so hard. And self was actually in that list of um, which I hadn't known, which is, again, beginner. I also think beginner's luck is like not knowing if you don't know the rules, you don't know what you should be afraid of. Had someone told me that I would have never pitched them. I just didn't yeah. know the rules. That's wild, Janine, that you. Yeah. yeah, I love that, though. But if you don't know the rules. Yeah, but you, you also did of. your homework, though. You read several of them. You're like, yes. What if they, there's this this particular niche is not being met and women need a little bit of a humorous outlook on going through this life of watch looking at somebody on the cover of self. And you did a humorous take on that and didn't care. Right. No wonder you're so successful <laughs> in magazines as well. You have to almost like match the style and tone and the voice of a magazine. So yes. I read, I read a lot of the issues, you know, just to make sure I nailed the voice. And I, and I apparently got the voice enough where they were, where they were like, Oh my goodness, this needs to be in, in our, you know, our, our January issue for sure. Like let's send you a contract. And that, you know, that's kind of like where that came from, you know, although it wasn't always that easy moving forward. I remember I, I was pitching Glamour magazine, another story. And, you know, I had it in, they had invited me to write some articles and then 
of course, like in the magazine industry, it's a revolving door, like, you know, editors come and go, and then you have to start fresh. And so again, you know, you start out as like a stranger to someone, to someone who's in a certain position. So I remember pitching this editor and um, she was very curt and not very nice. And she was like, no, this idea is not for glamour. This is not for us. And as much as I wanted to like kind of curl on a ball and like hide in the corner and be like, oh my God, she just was so rude to me. Like, I, I didn't take it personal. And I was like, okay, well, I, at least I know she's at her desk. She's reading emails. Let me hit her with another idea. So I hit her with another idea. And then she wrote back this. I like, we're sending you a contract again. And as much as I, so I'm, I'm just like swing for the fences, like just go for it type of person. Wow. And it reminds me of the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which you are very familiar with. Don't take yeah. it personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best and be impeccable with your words. Those are the four things that you actually do and have done in your writing career. What was it like being, you know, a mother, a wife, and uh, an entrepreneur living on uh, freelance posting? What was that like? Um, is? Me, so for me at the time, you know, I was... Uh, I was very fortunate because I got to do everything that I did from home and I got to raise my kids and, and really be there. And it was, I, it was like a full work from home. I got to get the accolades and, and have like that creative outlet where I could be expressive awesome. and, do, and, and then yet like my kids were always would turn around and I would be right there at the kitchen table, just be like, yeah, what can I get you? And so I was, I was, very fortunate that I was able to do that. And again, like I didn't, I didn't have to, I got to like, you get to, uh, it was like a gift. And um, it was such a gift that I had the courage that day, that particular day to send that email, which changed the course of my whole life and um, continues to change the course of my life. Because And, and who knew if just writing in my autograph book, that teacher who said one day, we're all going to hear of a famous writer, you, um, she changed the course of my life. So I'm just, you're on this trajectory and you don't know how you got there, but like, I feel so damn lucky that I'm here. I think so too. And I knew you, I knew you would spin that question so perfectly. That's why <laughs> I, I could just sit here and listen to you. I could do a random scenario and you would spin it perfectly. And that's what <laughs> makes you successful. But that's also why I've, I've always been cheering you on, you know, from afar, because I just love the fact that you, can and have that ability because you you combine two things one positivity gratitude three things positivity gratitude and your wordsmith those three key ingredients for you are why you are successful because a you've got that gratitude b you're positive about things and c if this doesn't sound right or this word these words don't sound right in my inner voice I've got to wordsmith that to make it sound right, to create the right vibration, which is why the law of attraction works for you. It's why that submarine's going to get sold and you're going to know how to drive it. Period. End of story. <laughs> Thank future you. Self is, I always tell anybody, your future self is always rooting for you. Mine is too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And I always, a lot of times people always say like the universe is out to get me. I, I almost feel like the universe no. is out to like, please me. The universe is like here to like, just make things kind of set up just so that I somehow succeed. Oh, I know. I, the universe, you know, 
Rumi said, you're not a drop in the uh, ocean, you're the ocean in a drop. And I paraphrase I that. that because you're not, I, my version is you're not a star in the universe, you're the universe in a star. And sometimes, a, and it takes a million years for a star to shine. Think about that. Love That's that. Pretty deep, pretty heavy, but it's true. Because <laughs> sometimes it doesn't come quickly. But I had, wow, I'm just getting into download now really quick, but. <laughs> Cause we got to wrap this up. But when you go to the beach at night and you see that star, that star took a million years to, to get there to see you. So you could see that you are the star in the universe. So somebody's waiting for you to succeed and shine. Think about that. I love that. Somebody's out there waiting. Somebody is going to be on that beach at night. Wait, wherever that virtual beach is, whatever that is, they're waiting for you to succeed because they're going to take that light and create the light within themselves. That's beautiful. So well said. You're quite a wordsmith yourself. And I'm one other thing I learned as a kid, because I, I read a lot. I, I did actually, I had a byline in my college newspaper. I found <laughs> it. I still have it. I have the, I have printed versions of it. Cannot believe I do, but I do. And so I was, I was a writer for my college newspaper, but then I left college made a lot of different choices and finally graduated about nine years later, but with a, just an associate's degree. So, but I have a byline, but the best writers read. A oh lot. my goodness. Yes. Right. They, what would you, what would be one thing you would tell an aspiring writer in today's world to do besides read a lot? Um, dance a lot, just dance a lot. Just my, enjoy. That's awesome. <laughs> Every time Just I talk to you, nowhere. either, yeah, dancing is a powerful music because music has vibration mm -hmm. and vibration changes energy. Words change energy, which is why every thought, every thought matters is really so personal to me. Yeah. Very personal because I believe everything that you think, you either receive it or I had this guy on my podcast and I'm still processing it all, but he's like, Every time you meet somebody, there's probably 10,000 people behind them that help them get to that point to give you that sage advice. I love because that. Because of yeah. all those people they interacted with. He's a doctor. He's got this book about uh, unfolding consciousness, which is really incredible. I'm just so proud to have you. I know you've got to run because you've got a meeting, but I just... <laughs> I love your positivity, and yes, I'm very proud of you, Janine, and I'm grateful to finally see you and actually talk to you, and where can people find you? What do you want to, what do you want to, what's your ultimate goal by coming on this podcast, besides talking about your journey? Um, so, you know, just where I am. So, you know, my whole, my whole role as the editor in chief of beautify.tips is, um, just to empower beauty lovers at all skill levels and of all ages, because I feel like age is always left out of the conversation. You know, you know, mm. I feel like women, and this is so important that I feel like women, my age, I, I just turned 51 women in my age are meant to feel like on social media that our most beautiful years are behind us and not 
before us. And I'm here to say your most beautiful years are here right now. So you can find me at Janine underscore Mascarella on Instagram, beautify.tips. That's the URL, beautify.tips with a lot of, uh, a lot of positive and um, inspiring articles uh, about wellness and beauty and fashion and just like living your best life. I love that, Janine. I, again, very proud of you. You're just an amazing human and you keep inspiring me. <laughs> you keep, you're inspiring a lot of women as well. And happy belated birthday. I didn't Thank know. You. What was it? July 15th? July 11th, actually. July. Oh, you have a magical birthday then. 7 And 11 is very natural. I'm 11 11. So, oh, no. Very way. magical. Yes, way. Okay. Yeah. So, 11, 11 is my lucky number. So, it's always been mine. And bless you for <laughs> being here. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy and glad it. Everything always works out. It's just like that star finally shined today. Yeah, I'm so, so glad we got a chance to do this. And, um, it, you know, it was a long time in the making. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to be on your podcast. Thank you. And I'll reach out to you once it's published and all that good stuff. Bless you and have a beautiful awesome. day. Thank you. You as well. Bye. All right.